Hey guys, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond, and this is the show where we explore the science, the stories, and the strategies of getting out of your comfort zone so you can find where the magic happens for you. Today on the show, we are chatting happiness. Uh, I've got happiness activist uh, Andy Proctor coming in and having a talk with me about happiness backed by science. So to start off this conversation, Andy and I have a little bit of a chat about his background um, and what's led him to really want to jump in and study the science of happiness. So we talk about how you define happiness. Uh, We talk about the importance of challenging our natural strengths. Finding a purpose within pain. We talk about learned optimism. And we talk through a couple of strategies about one, how to make it get uncomfortable, but also two, how to help yourself become more happy as well. Now, this is a super interesting conversation. Um, If this is your first time here, make sure that you click subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you get these episodes coming at you every Tuesday and Friday. Uh, If you've listened for a while and you like what you hear, make sure that you leave us a rating and review. Uh, It just helps these ideas get into more people's uh, ears and into their minds so they can live a happier, more uncomfortable life. Um, and again, if you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash uncomfortable is okay, or easiest way to do it is just share this episode out with your mates. Thank you guys so much for getting uncomfortable with Andy and I today. Andy Proctor, welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, excellent. It's a it's a pleasure, mate. It's a pleasure. So, Andy, I mean, a lot of my listeners are from New Zealand and they probably will have picked up already that you don't have a, a typical Kiwi accent there. Um, <laughs> could, you, could you give us a bit of an idea about you, about where you're from, where you, where you grew up? Yeah, absolutely. So... Grew up here over in the United States, uh, uh, mostly in, in the state of Utah. Uh, graduated from high school out in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, though, kind of random. And, uh, and then, yeah, uh, went to school here in Utah um, at uh, Brigham Young University. I actually served a LDS uh, mission um, in Santiago, Chile, where I learned Spanish, which was crazy mm-hmm. and um, very interesting experience. And then came back, finished school, um, studied psychology actually here at uh, at, uh, at the BYU in Provo, Utah. And then uh, yeah, and then from there, kind of got into kind of the more technology side, uh, learning how to do SEO. Um, building websites, uh, a little bit of online marketing stuff, 
And, um, and then <clears throat> I, um, I, I, I got married for the first time, um, kind of within that time. And, um, that marriage ended very, very quickly and, uh, rather traumatically. Um, and, uh, very interesting experience there. And then, um, and, uh, and then a few years later I started to, um, date again, uh, and found my wife that I'm married to now. And we've been married now for about f- almost five years in June. It'll be five years, which is crazy. Oh, and then, well, th- thank you. Yeah. We're pretty excited about it. Um, uh, and yeah, me and my wife, we actually have a vlog where we kind of record our life. It's a pretty simple kind of just journal, video journal, um, pretty fun. And, and then, yeah, I just start, I started getting into this whole positive psychology thing. I was at the library and, um, you know, since college, I mean, I studied psychology in my, in my undergraduate education and, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really do anything with that other than, you know, I got, I, I mean, the research side of it helped me to get my first job, um, from a data standpoint, but, but then, you know, I just was into this whole websites and analytics and stuff until I started studying kind of informally positive psychology. I found at the library, I found this book called flourish by Martin Seligman. And he's, he's kind of the father of positive psychology. Uh, and after I read that, I just, I got, I was hooked. I started watching all the Ted talks and, um, I don't know, I've bought so many books about this, um, from basically everybody who's ever researched positive psychology, which is kind of the science of what it is that makes humans happy. So that's kind of, um, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of a bit of a summary right now. I have a full-time job. I'm working at, um, a company here in Utah doing, um, a little bit of analytics as well as kind of some social selling modeling, uh, some nerdy stuff as well. But on the side, I'm just, uh, yeah, doing this, uh, this positive psychology thing and I love it. So I don't know. I, uh, from a personal standpoint, I have a Guinea pig. And, uh, we, we just got, we just got him, uh, maybe a month or so ago. And he is, he's like a, he's like a perpetual puppy, which makes me very happy every day. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you with that. Um, we got a, a dog, oh, about three or four months ago now, um, a, a retired, <laughs> retired racing rescue greyhound actually. Wow. And, um, I've just wow. been I've just been down at the uh, dog park this morning and uh, kind of letting her have a little bit of a run around and throwing a ball for her. So uh, I, yeah, I know <laughs> I know the the feeling of happiness that you experience there with a with an animal that um, just loves life and enjoys enjoys everything about it. Yeah. Um, yep. Andy, that was an absolutely fantastic summary, actually, that you've just kind of rattled rattled off there. I want to <laughs> I want to go and unpack that a little bit. Um, sure. the The first one is that I want to go back to is talk about um, psychology at an undergraduate level. Yeah. Is what initially What initially kind of pulled you towards psychology at that stage of your life? That's pretty. 
interesting question because I was I was actually um, you know when I was out there in Chile doing my little mission thing I felt really like I should be a doctor and so when I came back from that uh, and started studying at BYU I I was actually preparing to be a doctor I was taking all these science classes and math classes and physics and all this stuff so that I could be you know kind of this this doctor I was studying to go to med school and um i i just it didn't feel right well first of all i also i really have a hard time with with, with blood <laughs> so yeah. I'm, i i realized wow i'm gonna i'm gonna, either i'm gonna have to do some uh, some real serious therapy there uh to overcome that that uh kind of queasiness that i would always get with blood or uh you know i gotta go a different path but it wasn't just that it was I started to really um, realize that I I loved people, and I loved understanding why people do what they do, and and that that almost had always been a part of who I was. It was almost just built in, uh, and and I guess you could say from kind of the research standpoint, I, I kind of had a. Um, a high uh, social or emotional intelligence just kind of inherently. And so I started thinking about, well, you know, I, I, I'm going to be here at college either way, uh, finishing my university education. So do I want to enjoy my classes or, you know, you know, or, or just, or just, do I just want to get a job? And so I, I looked at it from that standpoint and I thought, you know, I'm going to just, I'm going to look, I'm going to look for a major, of study that I will really enjoy, regardless of where it takes me in life. And so that's kind of where I looked at psychology and specifically social psychology, what it is that people, you know, what, what drives people, what motivates them? Why do people do what they do? And that just fascinated me. And every single class that I could see on the list of classes that I had to complete was just so interesting. It sounded really interesting to me versus all the classes on my other list of, uh, you know, pre-medical coursing, uh, courses. And I, I looked at those and I saw I thought, wow, I, I'm not really excited to, to finish this class or to take this class. It's just really filling the, filling in the blank and checking it off. And, um, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I want to, I want to enjoy my life. I want to enjoy my time as a student and, you know, if I, if I take a different direction later, great. But right now during my undergraduate education, I'm going to study psychology. So that's kind of how that happened. Cool. That's, that's very insightful at that time as well. Um, yeah. And Thanks, yeah. it's a, it's a topic that really fascinates me at the moment. It, it didn't particularly used to when, I, especially when I was at university. Um, I think I was kind of, I went through the stage of, of just ticking off the box actually and kind of doing the, <laughs> doing the stuff that, um, that I needed to do to, to get through the degree. Um, but that's not to say that I didn't yeah. enjoy it at all as well. I kind of, yeah. the re one of the reasons that I went into physical therapy was, um, I kind of figured that uh, I got to the point where I realized that I was never going to quite make it as a professional sports person, but uh, that this was potentially <laughs> a way that I could, I could be involved. Um, yeah. yeah. Over, over time uh, I, I've yeah, developed a real interesting interest in trying to understand 
why people do what they do. And I think it's uh, like psychology is a something that's kind of inherently intertwined in basically everything in life because there's always a reason that someone does what, what they do, whether they're conscious of that or not. Um, and sometimes it's the right. kind of the unpa- unpacking that for someone so that they can see what what it is that they're doing that is is causing them yeah. problems um like in in my day job from a from a physical perspective um unpack, unpacking that but like just right. in my own journey as well and kind of what I've what I've uh sort of traveled along and figuring out what is what's been holding me back and what I what I need to do to to move through that right yeah absolutely Andy, I mean, you you finished your psychology degree, and then you went like you kind of almost shifted away from that. Was that like a yeah, a, quite a conscious decision to go into technology and like step away from psychology? Uh, it, to be honest, I I think it was well, it was it was a bit of two things. One was I had an opportunity open. And, uh, so I just kind of took it and I didn't realize that it was going to take me down a pathway, kind of a career pathway. I thought, oh yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, take this job that was offered to me. And yeah. And then, uh, it kind of took me down this pathway, which, you know, a lot of people realize when you start to develop a skill set in an area, you know, you, you can get jobs in those areas very quickly and easily as, as you, you know, as the years build, and um, your resume continues to develop, and uh, and then it's almost it's almost difficult to get jobs in the, in you know other areas. And so I didn't realize I was doing this, but I I really was starting kind of a, this kind of analytics slash technology career for myself. Um, but yeah, so I guess you could say it was almost like a default uh, of of just here's a job right out of college. Wow. You know, great. Um, but then on the other hand, I, w- I was also pretty interested. I was, I was fascinated by, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and you could say that it was also driven by psychology, by, by this motivation to understand why people do what they do. So I started working at this, uh, this research firm actually called Qualtrics and, uh, they do survey software. And so I was helping, professors and, uh, you know, CEOs and all these people who were doing research, whether it was, you know, market research or actually academic research, I was helping them set up their, um, their, you know, their studies, but using software. So, you know, I was still, I was still getting that kind of thrill of, wow, I I get to see what people's research, uh, turns into. I get to kind of think through the research beforehand, uh, to think, you know, what's this data going to be like? Um, how should I help them set it up correctly? So it still had little aspects of, wow, what's, you know, what is it that people are thinking about and what are, what do they really want and what are they really, uh, trying to communicate or whatever it is through this survey. So, uh, so that it was still kind of in there, but I was, you know, on the side, I was developing these technological skill sets as well, digital skill sets. Um, and, and really, that's kind of what that what drew me to search engine optimization as well was, you know, I just wanted to understand, like, what, like, why is it that people search for what they search for? 
because because you look at a Google search, right? And and uh, that's pretty um, that's pretty open. You know, you can you can look for how many people search for you know really awkward things that they wouldn't just post on you know social media or and something. And private they, you browser. Know, exactly. Yeah. Right. You know how to how to uh, how to deal with herpes or what you know what I mean. Yeah. So like you're not gonna like things that you don't necessarily talk about, but what are the what are they thinking about, right? Um, and it's it's very uh, open. So that that was very fascinating to me to think. What is the world searching for? You know, um, on a conglomerate level, how many how many people search for happiness? How many people search for why does my life suck? How many people search for you know um, things about God or religion or whatever? So. So it was very fascinating to me to kind of get into that aspect of it as well. Were they kind of common searches that came up that you that you saw people doing, or was that something that you were just kind of interested in in those in those topics? So yeah, I mean the trends were. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can always look at like uh, YouTube Rewind or uh, Google Trends at the end of the year, and they'll tell you you know all the things that were the biggest searches throughout the year. Um, and those are things that, you know, it's almost the same as what you see on Twitter that's trending, um, which some of them are really fascinating. Uh, but most of them are just things like, you know, Kim Kardashian's whatever. Uh, uh, but, but where I was really interested was finding this kind of long tail of, you know, what are the people? I mean, there's, there's still, you know, hundreds of thousands of searches going on for these these other topics that I was interested in, like, you know, things about fulfillment and happiness and, and pain, you know, human, uh, suffering, um, related searches as well. So, um, and the thing about that was, is that, you know, I, I didn't really, uh, <laughs> I couldn't really ever figure out a way to turn that into a business. So I, I ended up, you know, really helping a lot of people who, or businesses who were trying to optimize their websites for, you know, random products or uh, things that aren't necessarily meaningful to me um, because it paid well. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, it, it was interesting to still do that research of, of uh, what keywords were really popular just in my spare time as well. Mm, definitely. And I think it's probably stood you in really good stead for, for, the stuff that you're working on at the moment as well. Yeah. Um, cause what, like what initially drew you to that book flourish by Martin Seligman? That's a really good question. Um, you know, when I was at Qualtrics, I did, I did look a little bit into the positive psychology, the research behind happiness, because I was, I was reaching out to all these researchers, um, in the academic world and um, I actually found uh, one of the person, one of the people that I pitched uh, the software to, was uh, Sonia Lubomirsky, and she's kind of a big name in positive psychology. She was researching happiness before positive psychology was like a thing, and um, and so she's she's a big uh, name, and she's written a book called The How of Happiness. And I I remember finding her site um, when I was doing all this research just for my job. And, and her site was all about happiness. And I was like, wow, like 
how cool would that be to, to just research human happiness? <laughs> and, uh, and so that was kind of the beginning, but then, yeah, like fast forward almost six, seven years. And I found this, this book in the library, just really just randomly browsing my wife and I love just going to the library and looking for what we can find. And, um, public libraries here in the United States are just, they're just awesome. They're, they're, they're free. You can rent, you know, check out books or movies, whatever you want. And it's all free. And it's awesome. So, so I found this flourish book and, um, and so, so I saw that. And then at the same time, we were actually, um, we were actually running an online business where we were selling this supplement that was supposed to kind of help people feel a little bit more happy or uh, kind of improve your mood. And so when uh, I saw that, the slogan of this company that we sold for um, was the science of happiness. So I thought, is it, do we really like, is this really what we offer the science of happiness? So I started looking up and thinking, okay, what, what is the science of happiness really? And that's when I really started to find a lot more information about this, this field that's pretty young, actually, it's younger than the internet, actually, um, positive psychology. And, and we found that I found this, uh, kind of field about the study of human happiness. So I, I just started diving in, uh, because I, I, we, we were on this, um, my wife and I were on this cruise with, uh, because we had sold so much of this product. Um, we kind of got a reward for it. And, and we, uh, I was talking to the, the CEO of the company who we were selling for, and he, you know, he was open to the idea of, you know, what is the science of happiness really? And I told him, what if we had some sort of a behavioral side of things too, not just a supplement, but you know, what if we trained people how to be happier? And so he said, yeah, go for it. Like, let's, let's see what you can come up with. And so that's when I really got excited about it is I thought how maybe I can create a training for this company. We can monetize it and actually make this thing that I'm passionate about into a real kind of job. So I I went to work. I started looking up things. I bought more books. I started watching all the videos, listening to the podcasts, listening to all these audio books as well. And, and I just became enthralled. And that's when I started to think, you know, this is, this is what I'm here for. This is really my, my mission in life is to, you know, help people, uh, understand how it is that they can be happier. And, you know, I mean, it sounds, it sounds pretty, uh, cliche, uh, to some people, but, uh, you know, when somebody, when you, when you really find what you are here on earth to do, like, that's a really exciting, that's a very exciting moment. And I really knew that that's what it was for me. So, yeah, that's that was yeah. kind of the answer to that question. Long. Nice. No, no, I, I like that. I like that. I love a good story on this on this podcast, and that's why I like to keep it pretty conversational. Eh? So, so people can tell stories. Um, Absolutely, because I think that like that's one of the best ways that we best ways that we learn is is through story. But um. Yeah, as well as as well as that, Andy. And I hear what you mean about when you when you find something that you just think, okay, this is this is cool. This is this really excites me, and it kind of almost lights fire in, inside you as well. That you right. just like, okay, 
I've got a bit of time. I'm going to go and do some of this now. And I'm just, where can I fit this right. in next? Yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. I think like a, probably a good question to lead into next with, with all the kind of learning and the research that you've been doing is how do you define happiness? You know, I, I love that question because it makes you think, I guess, cause happiness for everybody, for each person is, is different. And the question, what is happiness? You know, how do you define happiness? That I think everyone, I think every single person should ask themselves that same question. How do you define happiness? Because for each person, it's different. And in the study of, of, of positive psychology, um, you know, this, this idea of, of, of happiness, they, most of the researchers call it subjective well-being. So, you know, it's well-being, it's human happiness, it's flourishing, it's, it's this fulfillment, but it's subjective. It's all, it's based on, you know, what, what do you feel is, is what, what drives your happiness? So, you know, how, how do I define happiness though? Oh man, that is for myself. I think for myself, it is a combination of this joy that we feel on the way to our potential. So when you, when you, when you've discovered you know, where you're headed in life, that's when, you know, it starts to become really exciting because you, every, every little piece of that puzzle is, is this, this moment of fulfillment, this moment of happiness for you. And I've seen this in so many different people. I've seen it in my wife. I've seen it in my family. I've seen it in, uh, all all these entrepreneurs that are in my community who are starting something that they are excited about. They, they get this spark in their eyes that you just, you can't match that with anything else because they know that they're headed towards something great that's a part of who they are. And so I think for me, that's, that's really one of the biggest pieces of happiness is this finding what it is that you are here to do and, and then going after it. Mm, that is, that's cool. I, I really like that the joy that you feel on the way to your potential. Um, with that, Andy, do you think that there is just one thing that we're meant to do or that we're, that we're supposed to do? Or are there kind of multiple things at different points of our lives that we, that we can kind of uh, apply this, uh, this kind of concept to? Yeah. I love that question. And I think before, if you were to ask that question to me 10 years ago, I, I would have said, oh, yeah, there's absolutely just one thing. <laughs> and I would have, you know, thought that that's it's there's just one, you know, one big thing that each person has to do. But, um, you know, lately I and, and maybe this just comes with age. I don't know. I'm, I'm 34 years old and which is really still very young. Right. I mean, it's it is same age as me. Very. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> We're youngsters, and yeah. uh, but uh, but with with time, you know, you, you give yourself a couple of decades, and you start to see things kind of fitting together a little bit more. And and I honestly, I feel like, um, and and also after reading, there's a book that I that I was very inspired by, called Grit, by Angela Duckworth, and and she she talks about this whole ten thousand hour concept of, you know, if you really are passionate about something, if you really want to make a difference in some area, 
you can you can really become the best in whatever that area is with ten thousand hours dedicated to that that thing and and so you know i th- I think I like to look at at that question and say um, that you know it may be that you know for example for me positive psychology and and, and helping people to flourish in their life and find their their kind of um, their purpose for me that is a huge piece and that's that's been a a, tr- uh, a common thread throughout the last you know decade of my life um, but but really I think I think that we can look at it in in stages as well because you know right now in my life like my wife and I are married we've been married for almost five years we don't have any kids we have a guinea pig <laughs> but uh, we don't have any kids yet as soon as that begins, as soon as that children stage of life or chapter begins, you know, that I will still be a positive psychology enthusiast and activist, but I will have, you know, it, it'll be a different chapter as well. And so that'll, that'll also be a part of my, of my purpose. Um, whenever children, you know, do become a part of that picture, but, and, 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 and then, and then, you know, 20 years after that or so, when they, when the children leave the home or 30 years, however long it takes, right? That's another chapter, right? And, and, and then I'll have to redefine myself at that point as well. Not just a father or, you know, my wife isn't just a mother. Um, like, I think each of us have to look at our life and our stage of life and say, like, what is my purpose now? And, and, and define that. But, but yeah, I think, I think it, I think it can it can definitely pivot um, at different stages of life. Um, so that's mm. yeah. yeah, yeah. I I completely agree with that. I, and I, that was kind of the answer that I was hoping that you'd uh, that you'd give with it. So because um, I think I've as we as we kind of learn more as people and as we grow as well. Um, we figure out more stuff about ourselves, but we also kind of grow our grow our interests and grow our skill sets as well. And like what right. once we were quite passionate about, um, often kind of no longer excites us five or ten yeah. years later. So kind of that that pivoting or actually kind of looking at your life in in phases and kind of working to yeah. to that phase is is really important as well i agree another question i have for you andy is how does um how does happiness uh into like interplay with pain or with um, with discomfort, can you have happiness without having some pain or some discomfort? You know, that's a great question. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I think that a lot of people think, you know, to be happy, you can't, you can't be in pain or like you said, you can't have discomfort or, or be, in the state of, uh, you, you've got to be in the state of bliss, right. Or of peaceful, um, contentment to be happy. And so what I'd like to kind of do to answer this question is, is kind of give a definition, uh, based on an acronym of, of kind of the overview of positive psychology. So, and, and human flourishing, which is the, the acronym is PERMA. 
So P E R M A and and uh, the P is uh, you know positive emotion and that's that's where I think most people sit with happiness is yeah you know there's like the gratitude there's the pride there's the interest there's awe there's you know all these these beautiful emotions serenity um, that that we can feel these positive emotions right um, and that is definitely a part of happiness you know when when we're out there experiencing these amazing you know. <laughs> Uh, moments when we're in the in these uh, these very powerful emotions, you know, absolutely, we, we think of those and we say that is happiness, right? And and it is, it definitely is. Um, but I also believe that uh, the rest of 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 the uh, the perma uh, is is huge. So E is is engagement, right? And um, there's there's a researcher, his name is Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. I, I'm not going to try to spell that for you. Um, but, uh, he, uh, he researches what's called flow and, or engagement. And, uh, and it's, it's basically when we lose track of time because we're so engaged in something that we are, we, we, we're just enthralled, uh, because we're challenging our strengths that we have, our natural strengths to the point where we're improving them. And, and it's, and it's, it's, and sometimes, and, and, you know, you're a a physiotherapist, like you probably see this, uh, potentially all the time with people who are trying to reach that next level. Um, and this, this engagement, right. This, this, uh, experience of flow often comes with pain. Um, but the interesting thing is, is when we are, when we are challenging our natural strengths, even if we are feeling pain, we're able to get past that pain. Um, so that's one thing that I would say with regards to this kind of idea of discomfort or pain. I think I think that's a huge part of happiness. Actually, is going past that through this as we challenge ourselves in our natural strengths. Everybody has strengths, and everybody should, I think, um, challenge themselves within these strengths, and then. You know, the last three are as relationships. Um, and, you know, uh, I think about my own marriage and, um, you know, we've been through some really difficult things together. And some of those things that were s- extremely painful or traumatic have brought us probably closer than, I don't, you know, than just having a very uneventful you know, blissful, peaceful life could have. And, and I absolutely do not recommend pain to anyone, (laughs) but, uh, you know, don't, don't go after trying to feel it. But, but because we've gone through that, the, the, the moments of positive emotion become even bigger and even more deep and profound for us between us. Um, and so it's it's difficult to describe, but I think everyone maybe has experienced that. And uh, and then you know, in relationships that are perma relationships are really the number one predictor of our of our happiness. Um, and and they've they're going to come with some sort of discomfort, you know. Uh, and then the M, meaning right, meaning in life. Uh, there's there's different aspects of meaning and a lot of people can take it different ways but you know 
meaning is basically this concept of, of finding purpose in the pain and in that discomfort, right? And, and, and crafting this life that, that matters as you are experiencing this, uh, this discomfort. And, uh, you know, I think that's a really big part of human flourishing is that experience of meaning. And then achievement, right? I mean, uh, I guess we can take that back to engagement, kind of putting those two together. It, there's definitely a lot of discomfort. Um, if you want to get better at anything, um, you're going to have to put yourself through some some discomfort. So, so I don't know if that helps to answer that question, but I think from the standpoint of PERMA, I like to look at it and say, you know, it's not all about the positive emotion. Um, most of happiness actually is not uh, necessarily comfortable. Mm. I think that I think that answers that question really well, actually. And PERMA isn't a, an acronym I was familiar with, so I'll, I'll definitely be using that one in the future. And I think, yeah, yeah. you're completely right. Is that, is that happiness and fulfillment is often a byproduct of the the challenge and the the struggle that we that we go through. Um, and it may not always be that we're happy in the time that we're going through that struggle, but actually kind of going through that coming out the other side increases our increases our capacity for ha- happiness as you say it strengthens our relationships and um gives us gives us more meaning um but also yeah. kind of generates engagement throughout that that process and and flow as well so i'm all about kind of uh trying to get people strategically uncomfortable you mentioned <laughs> like it's not a great idea to go out and seek out pain. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I don't want to kind of push people into pain with, with stuff as well, but I think a, like a strategic level of discomfort is, is very valuable for people on a, on a kind of a regular basis that, Hey, actually, if they identify, yeah, I'm getting a little bit too comfortable now picking out a challenge that's going to that's going to push them a little bit that isn't going to overwhelm them is really valuable yeah. to kind of get back on get back into some of the stuff so kind of having that tough conversation in one of your relationships or um pushing your body beyond its beyond its limits and kind of getting into a flow state there or just yeah. asking yourself some of the the tough questions about kind of the the meaning and and your direction at the moment are all super super valuable yeah i love that andy i think like we're kind of we're coming towards the end of our chat but one thing that i want to ask you is in terms of kind of practical steps that someone could go out uh and do tomorrow to try and generate some more happiness in their life. Like, do you have a, like a a nice starting point for someone doing that? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, uh, I love that question and I I get it quite often as well because I talk a lot about this happiness. And so I think something that's very easy uh, that anybody can do because every single person out there has strengths and if you're curious, you know, if you're thinking, wait a second, do I have strengths? Oh, maybe, maybe I do, but I don't know what they are. <laughs> um, I would recommend taking uh, a, there's this uh, a strength survey that you can take for free uh, through the VIA Institute, um, viasurvey.org. 
you can you can take the survey there and find out kind of your top strengths. And I think there's 24 different things that they grade you on. Um, it takes maybe 15 minutes to ch- check that out, and it's free, and you know you don't have to sign up for any email list or anything like that. Uh, and uh, you can you can find out what it is that you are you know kind of some of your strengths. And once you do, exercise those strengths. Everybody has strengths. And, and looking at what those are and then taking the time, making a, an actual point, literally putting something in your calendar on your phone. I mean, everybody has a smartphone now. Put, it, put something in your calendar with a reminder that tells you, hey, you need to go do this right now. Uh, we're all focused a lot of times on, you know, getting things done, making sure we're, you know, up to date on all of our tasks. Uh, but how often do we, you know, actually plan in time for ourselves to then, you know, exercise our strength, do something that actually makes us feel that excitement, that exhilaration that comes with realizing, wow, I really am good at this thing. Uh, so, you know, it could be anything from, uh, you know, from recognizing somebody else's, um, you know, beautiful art or, uh, calling a friend and, uh, you know, and talking to them, uh, about, uh, you know, something in their life. If that's one of your strengths, right. Uh, social intelligence, or, uh, you know, it could be, uh, appreciating beauty. A lot of people, that's one of mine is appreciating beauty and excellence, um, and so I, I, I often just go out and I live pretty close to some mountains. I love just looking up at the mountains and just, just savoring, just appreciating the beauty. So that's something that, you know, you could do that right now. You could go out today, tomorrow, any, any day, take some time and, and exercise one of your strengths. And uh, you'll, you'll absolutely be happier. That is a that's a really good uh, practical tip. Actually, I'm going to go and take the survey and have a look at my strengths. Um, but wow, I also might go and stand in the backyard and look at the uh, look at the mountains behind the the house first. <laughs> um, Andy, I have some questions that I usually ask everyone towards the end of our conversation. The Perfect. first one is, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did, and how did you get through it? <laughs> um. That's a great question. I would say the thing that is probably most uncomfortable for me right now is, and, and this is this is a this is this kind of constant grind for me is I'm I'm building this um, this kind of this organization slash business podcast whatever you want to you know all of the above. And, um, I don't necessarily have credentials, uh, from a graduate standpoint, you know, I don't have a PhD or anything like that. And, and yet I'm, I'm moving forward into this field of positive psychology and as, as a sort of activist for human happiness in, in communities. And I don't really have credentials and, and, and this comes up often. People ask also, so did you study this or what is it that you are, uh, you know, what, what makes you an expert? And so, you know, I've studied a lot. I've read a lot about, you know, experts and what it is that, that, that makes somebody into an expert. And, you know, maybe someday I will get a degree in this, but, um, but honestly, it's very uncomfortable to move forward with confidence into something like this without those credentials. 
um, because people want to have an idea that's easy to to kind of compartmentalize about what you are and whether that, whether or not they should trust you. And so I think for me, honestly, that's that's constantly uncomfortable. But the hope for me, on the other hand, of on the other side of it, is that I know that there are a lot of people out there who need this. A lot of people out there. I mean, this week I talked to somebody who just really needed it and um and you know his life i know will be better uh because because of of the things that i shared with him so yeah it's it's definitely uncomfortable for me uh to to say yeah i'm an expert in in the science of happiness <laughs> mm. but uh but I'm, I'm 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 kind of moving into it i'm kind of leaning into it and i know that with time with time i'm i'm absolutely more people will continue to, to see me as that expert. So that is, that's very cool. And I, I, I really kind of resonate with that uh, point on your journey as well. Cause I mean, that's kind of a very similar thing for me as well that I have a, I've got a lot of it. Well, not a lot. I've got a, a few expensive <laughs> certificates that hang up on the wall, but I don't have any <laughs> expensive certificate that relates to uh, the stuff that I'm doing with getting out of your comfort zone. Um, right. And it's, yeah, it, it is a challenge kind of, especially kind of coming from a place where actually those expensive certificates do mean something into right. kind of going and learning and studying in another way and figuring out how actually I do know a lot in this area and I can help people with that and uh, reconciling that with other people and their expectations of, of you as an expert, but also reconciling that with yourself internally as well as potentially even more uncomfortable. Well, it is, it is more uncomfortable for me. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it really is. <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll, we'll keep touching base about this, I think. Yeah. <laughs> as, as we go. Um, Andy, I mean, I do have a I do have another question for you and yeah. that I usually ask. I don't and I think actually you've you've probably answered uh the the second one out of the three that I usually ask. So I'm just going to move on to the third is do you have any strategies that you use for un- approaching uncomfortable situations? Uh yeah. So I I actually so there's some really great uh, part of positive psychology is uh, there's this kind of learned optimism strategy where you kind of have to become <laughs> your own um, defense attorney inside your head. You know, everybody talks to themselves whether, regardless of whether or not they realize it uh, uh, inside their head. And there's kind of this, this uh, you know, director's commentary on your life always going on. And, um, and so, yeah, this, this, uh, strategy that I try to use is, um, this learned optimism. So I try not to internalize negative events that do happen. Um, I don't make it about me. Uh, it's not, it's not my fault. Uh, if something is, I mean, maybe sometimes it is, but, (laughs) but most of the time, uh, it's not necessarily my fault. Uh, and so I try not to personalize negative events. Um, and, uh, and so I also try not to make it permanent. Um, if something does happen, that's really a kind of a setback, 
and and I try to remember that it's not going to affect everything. So those are kind of the three P's that uh, Marty Seligman actually talks about. Um, and it's a kind of a strategy he he uses to, and that I I try to use often to um, kind of talk myself back into. No, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is a good thing. This is helping people. And you know when I hit these setbacks when I'm doing this, I, I try to use that when I'm in those, those moments of, of discomfort to tell my, to keep motivating myself to, um, to move forward in this and move forward, lean into that kind of discomfort. So that's one thing that I use. Um, Oh gosh, what else have I used? I've, uh, uh, you know, I like to use, um, this, this strategy that, uh, Shane Lopez, who's another researcher, he calls nexting. It's kind of looking forward into the future of like what's next. Um, <clears throat> I think I used it a lot. I was I was actually a track person. I was a, I was a uh, a sprinter, and any sprinter who's ever ran the four hundred meter dash uh, understands this. That once you hit that three hundred meter mark, <laughs> you're 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 usually about dead, and um, and so a hundred more meters is is gonna kill you. But I would always, I would always, as soon as I hit that home stretch of the uh, 300 meter mark, knowing that there's another 100 meters left and I, I don't have very much juice, I would imagine myself at the finish line, uh, kind of victorious. And uh, I, would, I would just, and I literally would look at the finish line. I would constantly look at that finish line. I wouldn't look at the place in front of me, but I'd kind of look ahead. And I think that's something we all have to do in our life as we're facing this discomfort, this kind of last hundred meters of the race <laughs> where we feel like we're going to throw up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I hear you with that as well. Uh, the 400 was my event in, in high school as well. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just that, that last hundred meters where you can't really feel your, feel your legs and you feel <laughs> like your arms are just kind of smacking into your sides. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a burn. I think one of the reasons that I liked the 400 meters and that I, that I was drawn to it, one, I was never fast enough for the 100, but um, <laughs> also the fact that um, not that many other people enjoyed it meant yeah. that I could, like, I was like, I can just, I can push this and I can go through the pain to, uh, yeah. To, yeah. to try and get to that finish line faster. Yes. Um, Andy, two more quick questions for you, mate. But um, yeah. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to to sit down and have a chat to me from basically the other side of the world uh, this <laughs> this weekend. It's been really cool to, to connect with you. Um, but I also want to say thank you and um, just a- appreciate you for the work that you're doing and trying to make the world a happier place. Um, and not just through, hey, it's all it's all positive thoughts, and that's all you need to do. Is that incorporating this discomfort and this pain into how you make make the world a happier place? Um, I really appreciate that what you're doing there. Absolutely, thanks for it. I I love this. I very much enjoyed our time. <laughs> oh, cool. So so have I, mate. So have I. Um, 
First question should be relatively easy. If people want to find out more about you, if they want to kind of hear more of what you're talking about, what want to learn from you, where should they go? How can they do that? Yeah. So you can go, I'm pretty active on Instagram. Uh, so it's just more happy life on Instagram. And, uh, so you can find me there. Uh, and you can also find, uh, I, I have a podcast where I'll do little snippets, um, you know, probably, uh, once or twice a week and talking about lots of these little, uh, kind of tidbit facts about happiness as well as maybe sharing some stories as well some interviews as well. And that's just that podcast is called, it's just called more happy life as well. So, um, you can find me at those. Um, and, uh, yeah, those are some good places. I have, I have a course, uh, or a, uh, kind of an online school at morehappylife.teachable.com. And yeah, that's just kind of launched uh, recently and I'm really excited about it. Uh, a lot of people really liked the the uh, first version. So I'm about to launch this, uh, this new school. So anybody who's listening to this is probably going to get kind of the first view of, of, of what it's like. <laughs> awesome, mate. Awesome. Andy, final question for you. Do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? Ooh, great question. I think that, uh, my challenge for everybody would be to be proactive about, things that make you feel, uh, happier. And a lot of us look at the happiness and they say, yeah, you know, yeah, of course I can be happy. Like that's pretty easy, but we don't, uh, we don't often do that. You know, we don't often, like you said, you're going to go kind of outside and just look at the mountains after this. And, you know, I think, uh, being proactive about our happiness can really change our lives. It can, our brains and our bodies work better when we have positive emotion in our, in them. Um, there's, there's tons of science behind that. So I would challenge everybody who's listening right now to, uh, be proactive, you know, go out there, look at the list of things you do on a daily basis, and then look at the list of things that make you happy and then compare those two lists (laughs) and, uh, you know, make adjustments to that list to, to kind of include more of the things that actually increase your sense of uh of fulfillment in life that's a great challenge mate uh andy thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today absolutely thank you (laughs) there you have it guys i hope you enjoyed the chat with uh, andy proctor today uh make sure you go and check him out and get his ideas on happiness into your head as well so you can start living a happier life I want to thank you guys for tuning in to have a listen today. Uh, it's always awesome to, to spend some time with you. And I want to thank my brother, as always, Jeremy Desmond, for the amazing theme music. Uh, if you want to support the show, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can leave us a rating and review. Or share this show out with your mates and just help get the Uncomfortable is OK message out into more ears and into more minds. I'll see you guys again on Friday with a little mini episode, but thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with Andy and I today.